Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. I survived a coma eight years ago, and now I've got some questions for guests such as non-artist, I don't know, an artist of sorts, but a different type of artist than I've ever had on before, a magician, Rebecca Spector. I'm very excited to have her on. I was lucky enough to witness her perform at the Magic Lounge here in Chicago, which she is performing at again. If you are listening to this the day it comes out, you can catch her on March 16th, 17th, 19th, 21st, and 28th at the Magic Lounge in Chicago. She performs there quite a bit, clearly. And I know her from stand-up. She used to be a stand-up. Now she's a magician. I was so pleased to be able to enjoy a magic show. There's certainly, you know, as as much as we hear there's negative connotations around stand-up, around improv, around comedy in general. There's certainly negative connotations around magicians, and I probably would have engaged in those, I don't know how long ago, but I felt like it was a a sign of my development as a person that I was not only open to attending a magic show, but had a fucking blast at the Magic Lounge. So please check her out if you can and you're in Chicago and you'll and you can see her. You can also go to her website in the show notes for private events. You can check out her Instagram for other shows she's got coming up, classes she teaches. She's fantastic. You can get the entire conversation by going to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. There's just a whole bunch of fun buddy talk at the beginning uh, that I just didn't include in the main episode here. Just shop talk, magic stuff. She tells me about the transition from stand-up to magic. We talk about scenes. And some of that stuff's in the main episode, but a lot of it is in the full combo on Patreon. No matter what level you join at, you get all the bonus audio on Patreon, but the pigeon, pay, I was going to say patron level, everyone's a freaking patron level, but the pigeon level subscribers get their names shouted out on the podcast. So here we go. Fred Fidoa, Susie Carroll, Kirk Chang, Katie Llewellyn, Debo, Shuba Singh, and John Lee. Thank you all for donating at that level. I don't do ads on the show. Don't take ads. So the way to support the show is on Patreon. So go there. Also, if you want to catch me at my first public appearance in a year and a half live, I'll be at Pilsen Community Books on March 17th, a Friday, and I'll be talking to previous guest of the show, Madeline Lane McKinley, about her book, Comedy Against Work, which we talked about in her episode we're going to have a book event and I'm going to be talking to her about it live. So I'm very excited. That is at Pilsen Community Books, 7 p.m. Friday, March 17th. It is St. Patrick's Day. So come talk about the anti-work comedy book at the Commie Bookstore in Pilsen on, on that day. If you like the show, please tell a friend about it. Subscribe in your app. Leave a review in the Apple app podcast app and that's what i've got please now enjoy this conversation between me 
and my friend, the magician, Rebecca Spector. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like it's... So paint your hell. All right. I think, for me, it's being a child again. Really? It's being a child again, yeah. I think that's heaven for so many people. Which is insane to me. <laughs> okay, what crazy. aspects of childhood then? What? Which ones don't I like? Which ones were, were hell? Yeah, yeah. Feeling just completely not in control of where I was and had to be all the time and also like not understanding things. And I had good parents. I was not, we don't have like any abuse situations, yeah. nothing like that. Um, definitely cared for all that stuff, but. Also, um, I have no idea if this is coming through, but I just want to say that if anyone can hear the construction, so can I. <laughs> I can't do anything about it. Uh, yeah, we're in hell People right can now. Deal. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. yeah, so not knowing things, not knowing what kinds of things. Um, okay, so not knowing. Okay, oh, okay, I can give. Okay, you know the corn kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Recently. Yes. Yeah. Um. So if you don't know the corn kid, I don't know how that's possible, but go Google <laughs> corn kid and watch the original video. Yeah. So there's this part. Okay, I felt so. I was so triggered by that video. I was like, yes, he's adorable. He's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was also so mad at the adults on behalf of him because at the end, they're like, what do you want to say? They're interviewing him. They're like, what do you like about corn? And then he goes, "Uh, have a corn-tastic day. And the reaction that he gets from both the host and his grandma are like, what? Oh, my gosh. That is the great. (laughs) They're like making this face like, what is that? Where did he pick that up? Oh, my gosh. And they're not laughing at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that if I oh yeah oh yeah and then he goes what it's just a, a pun about corn and I'm like exactly it's just a fucking pun about corn this have a corn it was my I feel like my childhood was full of those moments where I was trying to say what the adults were saying or talk like the adults or you see on a TV show have a whatever tastic day yeah and you're and he's smart enough people don't understand how smart kids are they don't understand that he's smart enough to know. That this is an internet video and yeah. we're being silly and we're going to say whatever tastic day. So maybe I'm projecting a little bit onto him. I don't know. But no, I like <laughs> but like I see that in his face, I see in his eyes and he's like, what? It's just a pun about corn. I'm like, yeah, you were doing the thing. You were yes anding in a totally normal way. And then the adults were like, well, I don't know where they got this stuff. So you th- So you think the adult reaction was a – you think basically they were all in a shared reality. And he was just continuing to play into that shared reality. Yes. And then adults like pulled the rug out and were like, popped the bubble and were like, what a weird ma'am, place. this is a Wendy's basically. Yes. Okay. That's how I feel. Okay. That's exactly how I feel. But how is that not knowing something? So is it like, is it not, I guess for him, that would be like not knowing, Jesus Christ, this saw, dude. Uh, <laughs> not knowing, uh, when something feels corny or not knowing when something is a little bit too much or something? Well, those definitely are two things that define my child. (laughs) (laughs) Although you are making me realize that, yeah, the issue isn't that he didn't know stuff. The issue is that the adults were fucking up in that moment. So now I'm re-angered in a whole new way. (laughs) (laughs) So what are there examples from your childhood that you're like, this 
is the apex of a hellish moment. Oh, man. Me. I'm sure I'm going to think of the perfect one the second I step outside. Yeah, it's um, okay. It was just a lot of, yeah, just like little moments like that or like trying to make a joke that or um, this is not exactly the same thing, but I do remember it and I, re- I regret this to this day. And there was a period of my life when I was like still a child that it like really kept me up at night where I was seven years old and my family went on a cruise ship and I got to sit on the unicyclist's shoulders while he was on the unicycle. And I remember thinking it would be funny to pretend like I was scared. So I made like a little scared face for a second. And then after the show, some lady I didn't know was like, and you were very brave up there. And I was like, fuck. That was a joke. It was comedy. Yeah. So I just feel like all that stuff. People not getting it. Yeah. And, And also not getting stuff simply by virtue of the fact that you're a kid and there's like Ooh. no way that you could you can't change anything about it yeah you can't just age 15 years yeah. in a second and yeah. they just assume other things or like i remember oh here's another a similar one to like i guess maybe just making a lot of jokes and having people not i do remember being Literally five years old, and that might seem too young to make this joke, but I remember my thought process. Yeah, totally. I was on, we were going to, just going to some event that I knew it was going to be like at least an hour drive. I knew it was like a long drive. My parents had said this will be a long drive. And I thought it would be funny. And it fucking was. My timing was impeccable. The second we pulled out of the driveway, I said, are we there yet? Yeah. And for years, my grandma was like, and you thought we were already there. And I, What? <laughs> I know. That is yeah. such... That is such a bummer. I feel that one. <laughs> that you. is such a good joke. Thank you. The timing was rock solid. I waited. But right it's your age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that was hell for me. I you know, people complain about adulting, but I'm like, yeah, but you get to do pretty much what you want. Like, Does that change that must change how you interact with kids though, right? interesting it's only recently that i've really started interacting with kids yeah yeah yeah. you were like too traumatized by childhood <laughs> yeah. that even seeing it on someone else you like crossed the street <laughs> yeah. yeah i just i was the youngest in my family and uh i don't know uh so I was, <laughs> in my mind i was the last kid i was the yeah, youngest kid yeah. yeah um so i try i do try to i try to remember that i always yeah. try to and yeah. like not talk down to them or assume that they don't know what's going on mm-hmm. um or assume that they could never be speaking with irony or right. anything yeah it's so easy dude yeah. that's the thing is it's like if you remember it's actually it's easier to talk in your normal voice than a yes. fake baby voice mm-hmm. so that's one thing to start right and then yeah just to ask them questions and listen and respond is like yeah, th- that that gets under my craw. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So I just just feeling, <laughs> and also just like not understanding, just like little things from like pop culture that people, and then uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like yeah, that's about it though. That's about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll spiral. Stop How much time do you have? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can afford a copay for. <laughs> we keep going. What do you hope happens when you die? I I would like to keep living forever and ever or go to some uh some heaven that is, you know, similar to this one. I just want to never die. Okay. Um and people I feel like sometimes when people say that you, there's like this like smart because I want to see my legacy, because I want to see my family, because there's just so much. No, I just I just don't want to die. But Is um, it fear motivated or is it like pleasure motivated? Um, Cuz you're making it sound like 
pleasure fear. fear okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, 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 yeah same 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 i definitely related yeah to the there was a recent episode that you had um with i believe with martin yeah uh yeah right kind of going into that you were talking about the fathoming thing like and not being able to fathom yeah or fathoming not fathoming right 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 i sometimes wake up in the morning Ugh. and that is the first thing brutal, that i think of brutal. the first thing i do is i fathom not fathom <laughs> at least at the end of a day you're like yeah no sleeping at the beginning yeah. of the day you've got the whole day to think about it that's true i don't know why i'm trying to cram it in then but i know <laughs> but up. i mean that it, it looms over the day it's yeah. the worst it seems like the worst time to have that probably yeah probably okay <laughs> so yeah i mean i hope uh you know i hope i just keep i just keep living <laughs> like okay because I actually had this thought. You're the first person who I've talked to in person. I think the first person, period. No, I, I, I don't remember. But since we had in our house a, a COVID yeah. quarantine situation where I was not the person with COVID. And because I was not the person with COVID and have survived this coma, mm-hmm. those are my two data points. I was like, I'm, and I'm trying, I mean, obviously I'm like, joking but what percentage of me believes this like maybe like 0.01 percent of me is like what if there is a point at which humans become immortal mm-hmm. and i'm the first one yes i was like what it that would be crazy like mm-hmm. and and already i've started aging so it's like okay i'm <laughs> aging so that's that is is not have i not hit the point where it stops or do i just look yeah. like that you know talk about like <laughs> internet memes that fucking buddhist monk who's like a skeleton right. who or whatever yeah. um but so how would you want it to be would you want to just like die here and then start over and the world is not i don't know how would you want it to be yeah. in terms of yourself aging in terms of friends dying or aging all that kind of stuff yeah that's the tough part uh yeah i mean probably just stay like i think somewhere like late 20s early 30s this would probably be a okay. nice place to stick okay. around um we're we're kind of in the mid 30s now so okay. Okay. <laughs> but i don't know something i like being in my 30s very much mm-hmm. i think i was always meant to be in my 30s so maybe stick around there okay and uh oh gosh though people I mean, that's the thing is I do think I would probably get tired of people in general. I think I would make like another batch of friends, but I'd be like, oh, that first, the first hundred years though, really had like the good, the OG friends. Yeah. And then somewhere around like the third hundred year, I'd probably be like, oh, I got to get attached to these people again. And like, they just have all their normal, like we're all basically the same. I think at that point, it's like people start to probably see this seem the same. That's so funny. It sounds like (laughs) musical taste where it's like you get into like a band in high school and you like will never love a band (laughs) that much again. But there are some people who are able to continue to evolve their tastes (laughs) and like stay open to new things. So maybe you're just like, your friends in the fifth century of your life are, I don't know, yeah. they're all chefs or something or some other something that you didn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or get into, yeah, get into some sort of whole other scene. Yeah. The, the chef scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. I mean, people are all cool and special. Um, <laughs> but you still, ex- you expect getting tired of them. I think it would probably, I'd probably get tired of the, pro- of the lifelong process of mm. cultivating lifelong friends and, and having them die. 
I think. Yeah, yeah and for sure. <laughs> partially because sure. it's sad. But then also, I mean, maybe this sounds mean, but I mean, we are all unique special snowflakes, but also don't you think like after like all after several lifetimes, sure. you might be like noticing patterns or notice yeah. that people like I, I maybe it's just the emotional energy. I'd, I I think I'd start getting dreading the emotional energy of like another lifetime of like sure of like being so open that you let people in so closely and then I, I think that aspect would kind of wear on you, especially knowing that they're gonna. Can die. you imagine relationships you have now if they were in the same position as you? Those lasting oh yeah i think so yeah really i think you can imagine like an infinite relationship with like it doesn't have to be your husband but yeah. your husband yeah i think so i mean wow. yeah i mean somewhere around year 300 we'd probably open things up but. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> i mean gotta be realistic <laughs> yeah, yeah let's talk about realism here <laughs> you know but emotionally and like yeah probably, yeah. yeah wow yeah <laughs> i'm just I feel very like sh- a little shallow about like the immortality thing. Cause I feel like I people always are like, yeah, but like why? Or like, you know, I feel like I've done everything. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've had these great, and I'm just ready to go. And I'm like, I, that I get that on paper, but yeah, I, I know where I would <laughs> like to be with this stuff, but yes. where emotionally. And I think I, I think I lean into it. I think I've probably expressed the fear probably a little bit too much on this show where it seems like that's all I have. And it's not all I have, <laughs> right, right, right. but yeah, I, I I would say that I am emotionally not – I don't have the relationship with my own mortality that I would hope to have someday. Yes. But I know what I would hope for it to be. I'm just not there. Totally. Know? And I think that's where I, I am too. I definitely intend to experience personal growth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I have some time before I need to. This brings us to funeral planning. Mm-hmm. What thoughts do you have? Oh, I've I've absolutely fantasized about this before. I really? know exactly. Yeah. Um, the most artistically self-indulgent event that anyone could possibly attend. I think if I, I, I have this fantasy of, I mean, yeah, of if I know that my death is imminent, I'm going to make this long-ass video, essentially of just me monologuing, just okay. talking about whatever, telling whatever jokes I want. Just uh, talking to individual people, just completely self-indulgent. It'll get boring at times, but I love to talk, and <laughs> <laughs> it'll be like 45 minutes in, I'll be like, okay, and now we go into my best tweets, and then I'll just <laughs> read my tweets out loud, and if punctuation's important, I'll explain that. <laughs> and You're like, no one, colon, and then there's a yeah. big space. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that is... Yeah, I've noticed that like my brain automatically that's like the first place that I that I go to is is like being able to just show off like all the all the stuff that I've made and in the most self-indulgent way I love it. possible and just get everyone's attention on this video and the video would be in my mind I have like little moments of of being funny like saying things and like and then everyone will laugh but maybe people will be sad and like yeah. um so then I kind of envision even my fantasy I'm like some some of those jokes fall flat cuz it's like oh right. I guess we're supposed to laugh now she thought that would be funny but like mm-hmm, <laughs> she mm-hmm, is dead mm-hmm. um it's like self-deprecating when you're too hot <laughs> yeah, you're like yeah. you're like telling jokes when you're dead is also a rough right, one right yeah totally um but you gotta yeah. go for it i mean i don't know if, what what is the way to guard against that i don't know if you can tell 
There is the, did you see the video of the guy who would like recorded his voice before he died? And like when they lowered his casket into the ground, there was like a speaker down there that was like, hey, help. Someone let me up. Yes. I like that's a good bit. That you know? is exact. That I do want to do something like that. Okay, okay, okay. So I mean, like in all seriousness, like jokes aside, I probably wouldn't do like a long ass horrible video, but something like that. Now we're talking. Okay, I appre- but I appreciate because a lot of people, um, I-, I appreciate anything that's kind of impolite or kind of gauche and someone just owning it. You know, because a lot of people are like, well, it's for everyone else they can choose what they want it to be and it's like ultimately that's true but i love the preference oh my preference is to be self-indulgent and do what yeah. i want and do what i would be looking forward and i like also that because when you said self-indulgent and, and performance-based i was thinking you had an idea of like a lineup of a variety show but nope. you're like no just my own stuff just my own stuff <laughs> Including all the stuff that I thought was funnier than other people thought. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if not, then when? So, so, it, yeah. so it sounds like what you want people to leave with is laughter. Is they want you want yeah. them to think you're funny. It's not that you like, and I have an important thing to say, or I have Correct. a revenge thing to do. Correct. That's interesting. Yes, I want them. I want. I definitely don't. Yeah, it's not a revenge thing. I do want them to laugh. Probably more than that, I want them to think I'm incredible. Um, so incredible in what way? Just so funny! Oh okay. my gosh! Just oh, talented? she was. Oh, she was so talented. Okay. What a great idea to do the video in the first place. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so I wish I could be like, oh, I just I'm trying to give joy to my loved ones in this moment. No, I mean they they yeah. they've got Netflix. There's not there's they can get <laughs> you know not my responsibility. So wait. <laughs> Would you rather them say, because I don't think it's such a good idea to do the video in the first place on <laughs> paper. Okay. Right? Yeah. But if it were really good, I would go, I'd be like, the, <laughs> yeah. I, I would be like, that sounded like a bad idea and she executed it so well. Would you prefer that or someone who was on board from the beginning? Oh, great idea. Great, great, great question. Um, oh, I think... I think the stand-up sickness that maybe that I have that led me to do stand-up way back in the day in the first place probably says I want to show up the person who doubted me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though the people who believe in it from the beginning are probably people that I that loved me more that I love more. Yeah. So that's yeah. probably a messed up answer, but yeah, no, I probably want to. Like- this is a real like your psychology is really like strewn throughout this <laughs> oh, event no. for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just you know, just just being honest about it, just being <laughs> completely honest. I mean, I will. Th- I mean, and I'll see. I I think my previous kind of art forms, I think, were more like coming from that ego place than than what I do now. Like yeah. if we're taking jokes off the table, but um, but yeah, but probably just like leaning into that part. You know, if I'm dead anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> You got. You were sincere enough in life. You were yeah. magical and opened people up to the wonder enough in life. Yeah. Now it's time to do bits. Exactly. And yeah. like ego and stuff, I think is not why I do my current thing. Why I do magic. I think probably part of why stand up felt so weird is because I didn't always know why I was doing it, and it mm. probably was coming from a place. Yeah. I think in part of ego. So why do you do magic? Um, I really just love it. I just think it's so cool. And then you know what's interesting? I. 
my favorite trick to do, I think I did it for you and your family, is the thread trick. You tear up thread and it comes together again. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And I... That was tight. That was one of my favorite you. things that we saw. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So that that piece and that like presentation, the script that I'm saying for, for it, uh, has sort of... That's like my, my signature little bit. Love and um, I was walking away from a table one time having just done that and I felt like really fulfilled and really like really good and I and I was like wow I feel like I just shared something with them and I was like oh that's that feeling that people have talked about before and I know that I didn't quite feel that with doing stand-up and in this instance, I really felt, even though, yes, it's me, yes, I've practiced, yes, I've written this whole thing, it felt much more like, look, it's a very old trick. It really is from hundreds of, it was documented hundreds yeah, of years ago. Yeah. And that's something that personally to me, I find really interesting. Like, I love cave paintings. I love when they find yeah, an old flute and they're yeah. like, this is what it sounded like. And I'm like, holy shit. So I really was, I was walking away from this table and I was like, I just felt like I had unearthed this shiny rock and I was able to show it to them. Yeah. Like I'm just showing you this rock. And then I realized like, Oh my God, this is that thing that people have talked about where it's not about me. It's, I just want to share this with you. I always kind of, you know, I was like, Oh, it's real. It's not bullshit. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I, that is actually why I do magic. Yeah, um, but none yeah. of that at the, at the Nope. Funeral. Not at the funeral. No, no nope. <laughs> funeral. It's just gonna be me reading my reading like, very old tweets, tweets that are like six years old now. <laughs> What's your coma? By which I just mean a moment of transformation where before you were one version of yourself and after you were another. The question comes from the fact that I was in an actual coma and did make some changes, although not right away. Well, I guess some right away, but it can be anything. Doesn't have to be grandiose. Yeah, this is the one. This is the question I've been sort of thinking uh, really hard about. Um, I'm tempted to maybe say um, attending my first magic class. Whoa. Possibly. Okay. I think that might. Yeah, because it's funny because I see like moments of change throughout my life, but it's hard sometimes to connect to, to like why. It just feels like maybe it. I don't know. Are they more diffuse? Yeah, or maybe a little bit more diffuse. Um, but yeah, doing a magic class and specifically, we were talking about motivation, like why, you know, knowing why you do something. And, yeah. Um, just being very clear on the fact that I was just doing this for fun. I wasn't going to try and make money out of this. I wasn't going to try and define myself as a magician. And I specifically yeah. would say, I would, like come home with Christian. I was like, I have zero goals. And, I, you know, then I met some people from my class. We started magic jamming on the weekends. That's a thing? Uh, that's magic, magic jamming? jamming what does that jam. look like? Just like sitting around in a coffee shop, like showing each other tricks and moves and being like, oh, can you help me with this? Or like, oh, have you considered doing it like this? Yo, or, it sounds like yeah. skaters kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Kind of. Almost as cool as that. <laughs> <laughs> but I started doing that and I started going to lectures, which is another magic thing. And I, really? but again, yeah, at, um, right at Magic Inc., which is. Um, oh, on Lawrence? Mm-hmm, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started attending these and I was like, I would take notes and for like no reason. And I was still very clear on like, I'm not going to apply this to anything. I just have always loved magic. Yeah. And that's it. And then, you know, I kept going to stuff and every time i did i was i was very suspicious of my own motivations Mm. because as we mentioned before like i think i've done stuff in the past 
that was not motivated for reasons that served me mm-hmm. or my audience. And so I was extremely like, I am in this as a, like economically as a consumer, not as a creator and artistically as artistically as a creator, if I want to be, yeah. but I'm not even going to put my pressure on myself to do that. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of funny that this has ended up being something that I definitely feel sure about and definitely love doing and intend to keep doing. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it's, is it because when you let go, sometimes things, I know, you know, is it, it's such a, cl- it? It, that is so funny. Cause it is such a classic Cliche. narrative Yeah, yeah, very of like narrative. the minute she stopped worrying. Mm-hmm. That's when it all clicked into place, you know, and I can't tell you how many times I've tried to reverse engineer that where if I'm like, <laughs> if I pretend that I let go, is that when I'll start booking some of these auditions or something? You know what I mean? If like, I, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. If I do all my mics like really stoned out of my mind, yeah, 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 yeah. maybe have a couple beers, man. <laughs> yeah. If I act like I don't give a shit, yeah. then will that work? Right. No. Or for me, if it's like, if I like have enough negative self-talk yes! about why I'm doing this, maybe that will somehow translate into massive success or something. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's that thing of like that capitalist brainwashing mm-hmm. of like, you know, it's supposed to hurt. Stand-up is supposed to right, hurt. Right, it's not right, supposed right. to feel good. And so I was right. like, well, I guess I'm doing something right because this sucks. Um, and, <laughs> you know, at a certain point, it's like if you've never gone to the gym before and someone's like, oh, it might, you know, it, it no pain, no gain. It should hurt a little bit. If you have like a bone sticking out of your neck. Yeah, 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 And yeah. you're spurting blood, that's not the good kind of pain. That's yeah. not inherent of inherent inherently productive right right so it's quite an image (laughs) i'm really picturing you like rocking some dumbbells yeah yeah (laughs) i'm just gonna bone through i don't know what i'm doing gotta do something pretty wrong to have that right i mean but yeah like the level of nervousness the stomach upset we will say for a four minute mic Mm -hmm. for just as many people for four people you know, I look back on that with hindsight being like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of stomach upset. That's, sure. You know, more than, mm, yeah. Well, and then a lot, cause I think, I don't think that's that strange. No. But to then say, and the, and then this is something that I need to do constantly mm-hmm. is maybe where it's a little like, but why then? And the answer is actually partially because of the stomach upset, not because of any of the like positive things you were getting from being on stage. It's like, that's where it becomes kind of a twisted motivation, I think. That is correct. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, well, I guess I got to keep doing it because it's horrible and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel quite right. I feel yeah. bad for stand up now. I want to like, I want to be like, listen, we like stand up. Let's ease on the brakes. But. The so I want to I want I have like a backwards looking question and I have a forwards looking question. I guess I'll start with a backwards looking question, which is just classic. When did the seed of you said you were always into magic? Yeah. When did that start and how? Yeah, I okay. I I think it was a lot of individual little seeds. I mean, I have memories of being like seven and creating my own tricks where I had like a mm. scarf and I put a mag a fridge magnet in the scarf and I like. And then I had a paper clip on the table and like I touched the scarf to the paper clip and the paper clip would stick to the scarf and like, oh my gosh, it's gone. Wow. Um, like I have memories of doing this and like it felt like every year, every six months I'd go down a little rabbit hole and then I would just and 
then just not I, the lack of guidance and being like, well, I, I'm you're supposed to practice like putting a coin down on a table. Like this can't be right. I'm right, like, right, like second right, guessing right. myself because the process is so weird. Um, I will say, you know, we had a couple little magic items in our house. Like my dad likes magic as like a fan. My brother does too. Um, my older brother, so that definitely has an influence. Right. I remember playing around with a couple little, you know, I did, yeah, I would just get into it every so often. So I think the, the seed was always there, um, kind of continually getting kind of re-germinated and then I'd have like self-doubt about it. Or there just wasn't mm. any guidance around it. Right. Um, a big one for me was, Comedy Central used to syndicate the amazing Jonathan's mm, special. Okay. And to be honest with you, I think that's probably like my number one magic influence. Amazing. Which is great because he's, you know, and he's, he's not in within magic and, you know, may he rest in peace and everything. Um, he's not regard. He's not like the, he wasn't winning sleight of hand competitions. Right, it's right, not right, like right. about that as much. Some of his stuff was just even wasn't necessarily magic. It was just kind of even like a bit of prop comedy. Sure. Sure. Um, but like his style, you know, all the blood and laughing at blood. I was like, that just enchanted me as okay. a kid. Like, I actually am not like, that familiar with his act. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he, um, gosh, I say that to hedge my bets, but really, I'm not at all familiar. Yeah. He he very um, a mix of magic and I guess I would say, I hope it's not disrespectful prop comedy. I mean, a little bit yeah. like kind of he would do a lot of like 80s uh, the clubs in the 80s and stuff mm-hmm. and. He would do stuff like, um, well, talk about, you know, he, he had like this bit with like cocaine where he's just, uh, disappears like a, a mountain of white powder okay, into, okay. supposedly into his nose. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of stuff with, um, he like stabs a pair of scissors through his like assistant's head and she's just kind of like wandering around bleeding. <laughs> Amazing. Um, he has, oh, he has this great bit that I, actually experienced a real world version of once as a performer, which is crazy where he would have someone in the audience say, Oh, did you say you're from like this small town? And he'd be like, yeah, yeah. Wait, are you? And they would come up to the stage. They'd be like, wait, are you, what street do you live on? What street? Oh, you came from there too. Oh, oh, Sally, it's you. I knew I, it's my sister, everyone. I knew I recognized her. And funny enough, I had a moment. I was doing a show about a year ago here in Chicago and I'm from Long Island and I mentioned Long Island. Someone was like, me too. And I was like, where? Yeah. And, and same county. She she and I grew up literally across the street from each other. What? She's a few years younger than I am. So I know her older sister. Wow. More. But so I actually like had, but yeah, but anyway, very much like a lot of blood, a lot of um, very edgy, very silly, edgy, whatever, you know, whatever that means. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. Like, and so that kind of like dark humor. Yeah. Um, the silliness of it that just creating like big images you know for me it's like yeah that was a big influence for me i got really into darren brown for a bit in high school who's a mentalist yeah um so yeah the seeds of magic i mean it's so hard to say because it was just continually i mean i have all these different memories i went to this magic shop when i was a teenager that was in queens right after we visited my grandma and just like it was like continually like there's something but yeah. And then one day, I think sometimes we need to listen to ourselves when we make jokes because what happened right before I started taking the class was I think I was watching Magic on TV or something. And I said to Christian as a joke, because this is a crazy thing to say, I said, man, isn't it interesting that like magic is the number one best art form of the world and everything else is secondary? And now I don't really... <laughs> 
literally believe that. That's a crazy thing to say. But also- <laughs> I mean, uh, not necessarily. <laughs> if you believe it, I'm down. I, mean, I love I a str- I love an extreme opinion. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a grain of true there is clearly I, there's something about it that i think is like right you know at least performing like the coolest uh, i'm trying to think of what know. that would be for me or what i've heard i feel like film people talk about that a lot because yeah. it combines so many things yeah totally music because it just like transcends because it hits you in your brain yeah <laughs> words yeah but like i'll have to think about that you know obviously i was kidding but i think it's interesting what was his response uh, or did it even matter remember. you just yeah, yeah yeah i think he was I, yeah i think he gave the appropriate response of like huh <laughs> like okay is it and like probably laughed or something yeah, yeah, he, like yeah. he knew i was being you know facetious um but it's also like well okay well where's that joke coming from like what mm-hmm. are you expressing right now right not that every joke you make means something but that one kind of did and was that what clicked you into taking a class yeah because then it was like the next day that i was like i wonder if the magic lounge does class damn that's amazing yeah okay so then my forward-looking question is when did you stop distrusting your motives and allow all these notes and things turn into Okay, I'm defining myself as a mu- as a, a magician to the extent that you do. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 it became a more like capital P pursuit. Yes. Well, I I don't know. I still don't know. I mean, I I, I wouldn't say I distrust my motivations now, but I would say I still interrogate them like okay. every day. And that is especially true of you know, when I was asked to start performing at the lounge, to start doing tables, at that point, I had been hanging around just going to events just for fun for like a, a year or two. Yeah. And when, uh, you know, Ben asked me if I was interested in doing tables, for me, it was an instant, well, yeah, of course I'm interested in doing tables here. And then I did go home and I was like, are we saying yes for the right reason okay. or because it could be that like, Hey, this person thinks I could be good. And that's super flattering. Mm-hmm, and of course, mm-hmm. if I can be more in the limelight, like that's a measure of success, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, or like just saying yes to everything that seems like the next step. Cause you're always supposed to say yes to whatever the next step is. I definitely asked myself, like, am I doing this for the right reasons? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then, um, I knew, I mean, social media plays a big, role in like definitions i think because Mm -hmm. because you literally have to in your bio list like magician or even in instagram with the like type of profile you yeah 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 yes and i definitely i set myself up with like a business or like creator profile at the beginning and partially that was really i mean at the very beginning i just wanted to get practice make some videos and sort of also just find my own style and i started a new instagram so i'd have kind of that privacy Mm -hmm. um yeah, and I was like, just by learning like what I was sharing and how I was talking, I was like, I'm going to learn what kind of – I'm going to read my own like tea leaves here. I'm going to trust cool. the process enough of like – and I'm going to use social media as like this like place to put it. Um, and certainly as things have changed and such, and now that it is full-time, it's – again, at every moment, I'm very clear as to what I'm getting from everything. Like my – a lot of that definition, it's like, oh, I define myself that way publicly and on social media because at this point I have determined that mm-hmm. I do want to make money doing this. Yeah. Um, I maybe wouldn't even have an Instagram if I wasn't doing this, though. And I, you know, my Instagram, I always tell people, too, it's like it is to promote my business. So yeah. 
And I'll straight up tell people, like, if they're like, oh, it looks like you're really busy. I'm like, oh, thanks. I make it look like I'm bu- even yeah, busier than yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not ashamed of that at all because it's my business page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think I'm also just clearer than it. Whereas I think, you know, maybe in stand up, it was, you know, a little bit more personal of like, oh, well, they have more followers and I want more. And if I was doing <sighs> right. more comedy, then it would mean that I'm in here. But like at this point, I know very clearly, like, why I'm on social media, why I'm doing this, why I'm doing that. And I feel pretty, yeah. Yeah. And the reason is the thing we talked about where you love it. Yeah. I mean, foundationally yeah. that I love it. And you want to share that yeah. sort of sparky connection of. Yeah. Yeah. After, after like a whole lifetime of like doing different types of art form and hearing that like, you know, you're supposed to feel like you're sharing something with, you know, mm. it's not supposed to be all about you. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, I think I'm really feeling that. This yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It was really just walking away from that one table after doing my thread trick that I totally felt like, oh, I unearthed this ancient flute and I showed it to them and I'm just about this thing. And that's when I realized like, oh, okay. And you can then take, once you're clear on that, I mean, that doesn't mean that you're going to be feeling that that spark every time you do a paid gig for someone's company or whatever. Right. Of course. Of course. But even in that moment, then you can be clear on like, well, I'm a little low energy today, but I'm going to bring it because I want them to have a good experience. And so they can, you know, feel like they got their money's worth and they connect, you know, you, you know, it doesn't have to always be the same motivation, but I don't know. When did I start trusting my motivation? I guess I still don't necessarily because I, 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 I still I still work to ask myself those questions, and I'll still make yeah. sure I'm clear on what my motivations are. Totally. It's interesting because it doesn't sound unbalanced, but for you to say, I question my motivations every day, I'm like, oh, that sounds <laughs> like that does not to me immediately fit with someone who is also more confident now oh, interesting. than they yeah. were. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like – there's a there's an extreme version of that that looks unhealthy that it doesn't sound like you're in no 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 i think it just sounds extreme to say like i question them every day it's more accurate to say that like you know i check in it's that thing of like when people you know with relationships they say like you're choosing this person every single Mm -hmm, day mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's not just like a set and forget it well i guess i live with them because i do i'm married to them because we had (laughs) a wedding like you know it's that thing of like every day you're like, am I, I'm here for the right reasons. Okay, great, cool. And so I feel a lot more relaxed just in general. I mean, and again, part of this could just be just biological aging, but like, um, yeah, I, I trust that I'm asking the right questions. I trust myself to be honest with myself, um, when I'm answering those questions. So yeah, it's a pretty relaxed process compared to before. Unwritten rules. Is there a way that you believe the world works or a thing you think more people should be doing, a belief that you have about how things should go that you're pretty sure is is not quite universal? It's something that you believe more than most people would. I have said before, I think that the thread routine that I do kind of is, it sums up what I believe about everything and like kind of is my religion in a way. Amazing. Yeah. So like what I say kind of during that presentation, so it is a very, it's a, um, the thread is torn up and then it becomes one again and it's a very, very old trick. And 
when I first started working on it, I said to uh, Benjamin Barnes at the Magic Lounge, great magician also, by the way, look him up on Fool, Fool Us, he fooled them. Um, but he was, uh, I was talking with him about this trick. I told him, I was like, I really want to do this thread trick, but I don't know what to say about the presentation. I don't know. Like, is it telekinesis? Is it this? Is it that? I don't know. I'm really having trouble. But man, you know what I like about it is I love that it's from hundreds of years ago. And the fact that it's like totally exposed in that story, but that's like the whole, and he was like, well, why don't you talk about that? Because it sounds like you're pretty interested in that. Yeah. And it's always interesting to watch people be interested. Mm-hmm, so if that's mm-hmm. genuine, it'll come through. And then I had, and I was like, oh, okay. But then that, of course, is a challenge because what I like about it is that this, it's basically, it, it was exposed hundreds of years ago. So I was like, how do I keep it magical while also telling people, like when the crux of this is, it, it is sleight of hand and that's exposed hundreds of years ago. And, and I think I kind of solved it with with my writing in it. And it kind of... Basically, I'm like, if there's something that we've been doing for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, and we're even like drinking while we do it, which people were back then, and I don't even personally drink, and but there's something really special that we're doing the same exact shit. And so like the part of me that went to like ancient art classes and like teared up at like cave paintings, yeah, that is that part of me in that moment. And every word that I'm saying, I'm like, I... I believe this. Like we are enacting a ritual like with our, you know, there's we're doing the exact same shit that people hundreds and thousands of years ago did. That's crazy. And like I get such a feeling of like fulfillment when I see especially people who are, you know, here, they're maybe dressed, you know, and dressed in their best, maybe a little bit like club adjacent wear. Yeah. Maybe they don't know what to expect. They're having and then toward the end sometimes you see them nodding and you're talking about like our ancestors being in the room and it's like, yeah. So I kind of believe I believe that there's something really special about stuff that we've done as a people for a really long time that isn't necessarily part of like a religion or out of obligation. Like we've just watched magic tricks. We've gathered in rooms Mm. and like hung out and like watched shit together and had a couple drinks and we're still doing that. That's neat. So that's what I, that's like a foundational belief. And that plus like, I think silliness is important. I think those are like my guiding beliefs about the world but i also like that the foundational belief isn't like it doesn't lead to like a hugely complicated theory with the thing that you said is that's neat it's neat yeah (laughs) it's so neat so that and i guess that means that's neat and we should keep doing it yeah 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 exactly and it's like you know even if we if we i'm really i'm interested in the idea of like I'm not necessarily anti all religions or people having a religion or whatever, but I think it's interesting if like, can we connect together on a, on that plane? Can we think of ourselves a little bit abstractly and zoom out while still having science and history and not having a specific formal religion? And so by saying thread is this many years old, alcohol is this many years old, this trick is documented to be this many years old. Um, I think that's neat. Um, That's, you know, we all have access to like, you know, connect, you know, yeah. It's less encumbered by prejudgments or the kind of identitarian, sectarian things that religions can turn into. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to imagine someone having a problem with thread. Well, right. Yeah. And also, I want it to be like completely inclusive. So it's like, even if you don't think, you know, even if, if, you think poetry is too like solemn for you. you <laughs> yeah. Know? Forget yeah. About, like, like I'm still gonna, I'm trying to get you by the end to be like, 
look, it, you can Google this shit. Like, if you don't, you don't have to think it's cool. Um, but I do. And yeah, <laughs> that's kind of like my guiding <laughs> belief. That is the show. Thank you for listening. Tell a friend who'd love the show about the show. Follow and support Rebecca at the links in the show notes. Check her out at the Magic Lounge. Once again, that is March 16th, 17th, 19th, 21st, and 28th. Don't forget to check out that event of me talking to Madeline Lane McKinley about comedy against work at Pilsen Community Books on Friday, March 17th. And until next week, remember, you are a missed miracles you can do them have faith you are human only human and human beings they do